0: you know sometimes the last words that people speak are often the most significant and it's some last words today that jesus made that i want to uh, for us to consider this morning but the whole topic of our talk this morning is the question of making disciples this is the verse I wanted us to look at. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It also goes on, and lo, I'm with you always. But there are three key instructions here. Three. Go and make disciples. Baptise them. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's our commission. That's what Jesus told us to do. But, you know, making disciples is one of the most neglected aspects, I think, of Christian behaviour that occurs. And it occurs after a new believer has made a new declaration in faith in Jesus. We leave them to it. We've seen them enter the kingdom, we say, hallelujah, they're here. And then we turn to the next matter and leave them to struggle with the newness of it it all. And that clearly isn't right, just not right. We'd never do that, would we, to a newborn baby? Would we? Babies need the immediate protection in their inability to fend for themselves. They need warmth, they need shelter, they need food, they need love, they need constant attention. And ultimately, they must be taught to communicate, to learn to walk, to be weaned earlier than that from milk into solid food. And then as they grow up to receive loving instruction on how to behave, we teach them our values. We want them to be even better than us, if we can make it that way. We've got to give them the values That are going to equip them to one day face the world outside that's what nurturing is all about that's what discipling is all about it's taking a little one that's new in the faith and bringing them through until they exceed what we're like in our walk with Christ you know it's really naive to believe uh, that a, a new a new Christian and they're usually a a young person, or, or even an adult, having made their first step towards eternal life, that our job is done. It's not done. It's just begun. It's not done. It's begun. Yes, they have made it into God's kingdom. Yes, they are saved. Yes, eternal life for them is guaranteed. But there's a lifelong purpose that God has for each and every one of his believers, for all of us, We've a purpose that God has got in mind for us to to follow. And our job as Christians is to help those new youngsters, those new believers in that process of becoming more like him. And it's not something we can duck out of. We've all got that responsibility. To properly disciple a, a new believer into God's kingdom is a lifelong purpose and God has got a lifelong purpose for each and every one of his followers and our job as established Christians is to help them in the process we can't duck out of it to properly disciple a new believer is essential if they are not to have their newfound faith utterly destroyed by the pressures of today's society And believe you me, there are a lot of pressures for new Christians these days. Because this society has a terribly jaundiced attitude towards Christianity. And I'm sure you're all aware of that. So God has got specific plans for those that belong to him. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And to that, Jesus adds these words. He says this The thief, and what's the thief in our situation? It's the world under the influence of Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they, that's you and I, that's all believers, That we might have life and have it to the full Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit in us is in the business of transforming lives that's what it's all about and he says this in through the Apostle Paul in Romans therefore I urge you brothers and sisters I urge you in view of God's mercy To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your proper worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Did you hear that? Don't. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But be transformed. How? By renewing your minds. Start thinking differently, in other words. And again, Paul says in in Ephesians 2, verse 10, he said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what for? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has already got a plan for each one of our lives. He will reveal those to us, and he wants us to pick them up and run with them. Or walk with them in this particular instance. You know, so many young believers are deceived into believing that to become a Christian requires adherence to a long list of rules and regulations, and it's tough. And to behave piously, you know, holier than thou, always being serious, never having fun. But nothing could be further from the truth. How deceiving this world is about Christian things. They see God as a, a, as a stern dictator, never smiles. Well, it's not true either. You read in the Bible, you see God laughs quite a few times, especially at our folly. But it's not true. We're made in God's image, we are creative like Him, we love life. We enjoy laughter. I enjoy laughter. I hope you do, too. And we firmly believe in having fun. We're created like God. God loves fun. He has fun. He enjoyed making you and I. He particularly enjoyed you coming to know him in, in, in greater, greater depth. But besides having fun, we also want to learn to behave in a way that is honourable. A way that, in a way that's true, in a way that's beautiful, and not discarding those, those concepts that Jesus has given us, which are so lovely, and yet we think somehow to discard them can be greater fun than following them. It's not true. Jesus was good to be around. He was, I'd love to have been around when Jesus was on this earth, he was fun to follow. Man, he did some amazing things. People flocked to hear him. How many people do you know uh, are flock to hear, um, I don't know, Boris Johnson? <laughs> Would you flock to hear him? Yeah, he's a, he's a very um, clever man, and he talks uh, good things, and he talks nonsense at times, At least, whoever uh, listens to him has their own opinion there. But Jesus, everybody, wanted to get alongside him and hear what he had to say. And he loved people. He loved you and I. He loves you and I. But what what were the people that he enjoys there? Outcasts, children, lepers, tax collectors, um, adulterers even sort of legalistic Pharisees and and the lawyers. Jesus loved them all and he welcomed being with them. Do you think Jesus was sombre and never laughed? Can you believe that? I can't. Because he was the life and soul of the party. People loved being with him. Do you know, celebration invariably followed wherever Jesus went. You know, he, he stopped a, a funeral procession once and, and called the, uh, the bearers of the coffin over to him and told the, the content, the dead body, to get up and walk, come with me. And he did. Now, if that doesn't create a bit of a stir, I don't know what does. He, he, he released a lunatic uh, from harming himself. And they, he'd been terrorising the people in the neighbourhood. Now, if that doesn't please people, I don't know what does. He prevented a baying mob from stoning a woman to death by making them think about their own miserable failures in life, instead of accusing this poor lass that had been singled out. Yeah, I've never t- said anything about the man that was uh, involved with her at the time. And it's because of what Jesus did on our behalf that he's made becoming a Christian very, very simple. Becoming a Christian may be easy, but to allow him to make adjustments to our thinking, our habits and our behaviour, which is what we want him to do, does require a change. And change is a thing that most of us resist in any circumstances we hate change we've got used to our old ways but Jesus said I know a better way I know a better way follow the better way and you will enjoy that change so let's look again at the last words of Jesus He's Firstly, firstly says this go and make disciples So what are we doing about obedience to Jesus' instruction? It's fairly obvious that we're not going to be able to influence people that don't know Jesus unless we take the trouble to get alongside them, unless we mix with them. It's unfortunate, you know, but many Christians today, many Christians today, only get involved with other Christians. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, Jesus spent less time mixing with those that were part of the temple and things like that than he did with the outcasts of the society that he lived in, mixing with prostitutes, drunkards, sinners, as they were called then. Now, Christian fellowship is great, meeting with other Christians, but we mustn't neglect to try and get involved and befriend those that are outside of our church community. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. So I, I, I say to you, consider what special interests you might have. Are you able to use those interests to rub shoulders with non-Christians too? I bet you, you've got um, hobbies and interests that will, will be of, uh, of use to in that process. You see, you might enjoy badminton, or you might do photography, or go rambling, walking, woodworking. Could be anything, you know. Um, In fact, fact, anything that uh, where there are interest groups that you can get alongside and befriend them. That's starting to mix with people. So one thing we need to do... We need to shake off the incorrect, incorrect interpretation of that scripture. That scripture says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? But that's not what it was saying in the context of what it was spoken. The scripture does not mean we should have no involvement with non-Christians. But rather, don't get inextricably linked with... uh, And what does inextricably uh, linked mean? Um, Impossible to escape from, or difficult to disentangle. And don't get involved with those uh, that might coerce you into involvements that contradict God's ways. Such as perhaps a a dubious business venture or place you morally at risk. That's what they're talking about here. Not don't get alongside people who don't believe. That's the very thing that Jesus told us to do. Get alongside people. So be wise, therefore. But always see um, those that you come alongside as, as people that God loves. And he wants you to be able to display something of his love to them. If you have any doubts as to about how this can work in real life, I I, I have a book that I once read. It was written by a guy called Bill Hybels. And it said, Walk Across the Room. Now, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's a great book. Uh, It talks about being a Christian in a non-cringeworthy manner and getting to vol- involve with those that m- you might meet in chance circumstances. Now I look for my copy, I've clearly given it to somebody and so I, I've, I've lost it at the moment. But I did look it up on the internet and you can uh, I probably gave it away I expect um, but you can get a second hand copy off eBay for, for £2. And I really recommend it as a, as a, as a way of of allowing yourself to get involved with those that are clearly unbelievers so that's what I believe Jesus meant by go he meant get alongside he didn't mean so travel here or to far lands it may involve that but he really saying just just get out of your home get alongside those that are living close by and share something of your life with them in order that they, in God's purposes, might find the truth. The second thing that Jesus said was baptize them. Baptize them. Now, last week we had a baptism, and it was great, wasn't it? You enjoy that? I did. I think it was fantastic. But baptism is a sign, it's an act that makes a firm statement about belonging and identifying with Jesus. It's symbolic of dying to an old way of life and, and rising up out of the water to a new way of living, wanting to live the way that God intended, under God's authority and order. But you know, every time there's a baptism that takes place by a true believer, it invariably invokes a strong negative reaction by the enemy it's clearly something that satan hates to see he really does those who've worked on the mission field um, often tell us this story of how it's not the act of receiving christ that stirs up persecution nor just publicly acknowledging him even but baptism nearly always invokes a negative reaction and clearly satan gets really upset by that declaration of faith. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have difficulty in understanding the concept of infant baptism. This is because baptism is a, a rite of initiation and most churches see baptism as a doorway to membership belonging to the community of believers. That's what baptism implies. But I would argue, how can a baby who is baptised know what they belong to? They haven't yet encountered Jesus. Nor are they yet born again. So their allegiance to God's church is either non-existent or nominal at best now the C of E prayer book refers to the baby as being received into the church the Lord's body and this can give rise later when they are adults into the false hope that they're now part of God's kingdom and they need to do nothing else now I have difficulty with that others don't perhaps And I respect what they feel, but that's the way I would see it when I look at Scripture. Because the Bible tells us that repentance precedes baptism. Repent and be baptised is what the Word says. And that's what I believe should be the order. And that's why I believe infant baptism isn't strictly according to the Word. Theologians may argue differently, and as I say, I respect that. But that's my belief. The word says, whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And it also says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And the outcome is, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What we practice here in this church, LWCC, is not adult baptism, or infant baptism for that matter, but believers' baptism. For you can be 50 years of age and not qualify because of unbelief, even though you've been baptized as an infant, perhaps. Yet be six years old, genuinely believe and qualify for baptism it's it's a question of the maturity of the person in knowing what they are doing in the process and that's why we encourage every new believer to be baptized as soon as they can after coming to faith so jesus said go he said be baptized and then he said teach them to follow all those things that i have commanded you, shown you, taught you. So thirdly, we're going to look at following Jesus' teachings to obey. Jesus taught his disciples so much about how to live that it will be too much to try and enumerate them or list them here at this time. But I believe it's incumbent on all of us to read the Bible. Read it, reread it. And find out those things that Jesus instructs us to pursue as his followers. And think carefully about how those things apply to you individually. And let them become part of your character and personality. That's what I call the process of endeavoring to become more and more like Jesus, which the word talks to us about. Jesus had no intention. Of providing a list of difficult rules to follow remember what he said he said come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you learn from me for I am gentle and humble of heart and the promise And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants us to come to him and find him. Jesus promises us that by following his ways, it will enable us to live with a clear conscience, knowing that all our wrongdoings are forgiven, all of them. Not only what we have done, but what we will do. It's unbelievable promise, incredible. It gives us peace, real peace, freedom from worry, providing a genuine and fulfilling meaning to life. That's real rest. That's real rest, that is. But it does mean you can't just let the world drift by and do nothing. Because, as I said before, he's got a purpose for each and every one of us. And he gives us guidance from his word. In thinking about those things that Jesus taught, I just took a quick look, a really quick look. Fortunately, my Bible has uh, Jesus' words marked in red. And I just turned to the first few chapters of, of Matthew. And looked at the things that Jesus said in there. And I'll just, I've, I've condensed these in, and summarized what I think they are. He said this only worship God, repent of wrongdoing, let your light shine, avoid unjust anger, practice forgiveness, avoid sexual immorality, go the extra mile. Don't make a show of your charitable acts. Pray regularly in isolation. Don't show off with long prayers. Don't hoard your wealth, but be generous. Cease worrying about your basic needs. Seek God first and his righteousness. Don't judge others. Be persistent in your prayers. Seek, ask, knock. I've got such a list here I'm not going to read anymore because I want you to follow them yourself through as you read your Bible. Look at the things that Jesus requires of you. Jesus showed us principles of how to live. You'll find many as you study the Gospels. The Gospels will show you much of what Jesus said. And then how the church will behave, you'll find much of what Paul said in the epistles that he received from Jesus. So let's just conclude now by trying to summarise what discipleship really involves. Now the thing that I want you to understand, discipling is a journey. I've pulled something off that I'd, I'd had in a previous... Um, lecture period is called the Engel scale and if you go onto the internet, you'll find lots of different variations of this and it talks about the, the journey that Christians make and when does discipleship begin? That's a very good question. Does it only occur after a person's come to Jesus? Because I suggest it doesn't. It starts from the very moment that you meet them for the first time And that you start to share something of your life with them. So here, they start down there with no awareness of God at all. And then, these are not even steps. They could be, none takes longer, one takes shorter, etc, etc. But it's a progression. And it shows investigating Jesus, grasping the truth. Acceptance of the Christian truth. Decision to descend, uh, to surrender to Jesus. That's probably when they give their lives to Jesus for the first time. And afterwards, they gain confidence. They experience life change. They learn the basics. They learn disciplines. They share with others. And there's an ongoing growth. And it's a process that never ends. It goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and we never get there until we get to heaven. Brilliant. But the thing is, it's worth no- noting that as you climb up this scale, you're moving closer and closer to God. And as you move along the, uh, the, the x-axis of this scale, you get to know God better. Now, I only give you that as an indication that discipling starts early, starts before a person is a Christian, as you learn to to get alongside them, doing what Jesus said go make disciples, work with them, share interests, and they'll find out what makes you tick too. And that's brilliant. And then when they come to faith, see that they're quickly baptized because they've repented, as the Bible tells us. And then show them all those things that Jesus taught. Amen? Amen. Good let's pray shall we father father we want to be obedient to what you've called us to be we want to be able to disciple people by sharing life with them in reality <coughs> by revealing to them that we have found something which is special and we love them to share it with us We'd love them to be part of your kingdom too. And to give them a hope and a future. Lord, help us in that process. May we not shun from it, Lord, believing it's only for those that have got theological knowledge or other such things. That's not the qualification. The qualification is knowing and loving you. So help us, Father, in our simplicity, to help others find you in reality. So, Lord, we just bless you now. Be your goodness to us as a people. Thank you, Father. Amen.